you're up. Everything's good. All right. Well, hello, everyone. Welcome. My name is Vex. This is the uh, third episode of the Vexatious Podcast. And here today we are interviewing Osak, one of the uh, 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 very small dev team uh, of, of Hide or Die, uh, part of Vec4 Digital. Um, hello. Welcome. Thanks for joining hey, how us. how you doing? This is, uh, this is interesting. I, I've never been in this space where we could interview someone that I've not um, uh, talked to uh, a lot before, um, and, and especially in, in this sort of industry where, you know, I, I'm used to playing games, streaming games. Um, I'm also a, a, a comic book seller, so I'm, I'm very much in the nerdy space, but I've never dipped into the, uh, the, the, the game dev space. So it's interesting to have someone here to talk to about that. And that's kind of what I want to focus on today. Um, I think there's, there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of, uh, uh, split opinions about things that happen, at least in, uh, game development. And, uh, uh I, I don't want to be over negative is what I'm trying to say. I well, will you can be as negative as you want. I'm, <laughs> I'm there. It's going to all goes. I, I feel like, uh, especially the Vec4 Discord, uh, there there is a very divisive um, split uh, between the people who are absolutely in love with Vec4 and especially Hydra Die, and uh, people who are not. And I'm I'm gonna try in in about an hour hour and a half or so um, to try and bridge that gap and to try and uh, let the devs have a voice because uh, it seems that if you're just typing in Discord, people don't. People don't seem to care. They don't care about the 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 little yellow name tag or anything like that. Mm -hmm. So, so I want to give you a chance to uh, uh, introduce yourself and let us know what your role is at Vec4 and uh, uh, maybe your entire role in Hide or Die. So, uh, take it away. Okay. Um, <clears throat> well, my handle is Osak, but my real name is Brandon. Um, I'm one of three co-founders. Uh, Sam was the other and Swanton007. Um, I met Swanton in Singapore when we were working at an ad agency. Um, him and Sam, they've always just, they've kind of known each other like from the Halo days. Uh, <laughs> they, they worked on little projects like uh, Project Contingency was one. Uh, they kind of started out with CryEngine, you know, after okay. Crisis. That's really where I think a lot of people started getting into game dev because it was a lot easier. Mm. Um, they, they worked on stuff, and then uh, it's a really long story. You know, maybe we'll jump into it later, but Swanton and I, uh, we had to make a coffee machine. We had to invent a coffee machine at our job in Singapore, even though we're there to make, like, uh, VR and AR stuff for the marketing industry. Okay. So... Well, I got the train coming. Give, give it a sec. <laughs> it's unfortunate. <laughs> uh just just a a quick aside everyone in the chat um i i am keeping an eye on it but i'm not going to uh i'm not going to answer any questions through chat or anything like that so i, I appreciate it um and i appreciate the uh the audio help as well okay so you're making a coffee coffee machine yeah so <laughs> horns of blast and... it's okay um so yeah, we 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 were there. I mean, we had done we had done some stuff for uh, Royal Caribbean, 
uh, we did like this, uh, um, just like this VR thing where you had to be on a, uh, like a cruise ship. And we, basically we had to like sell tickets is what they wanted. They want to have like a convention and sure, you know, to do all that jazz. Well, then we did some other stuff and just little VR AR things. And then just one day they're just like, Hey, um, we, we want to change the way coffee flavoring is delivered, uh, which okay. is just like, okay, well, you can, everyone's been to Starbucks. It's like a shampoo bottle. Yeah. yeah it's, it's just a couple pumps. Yeah. That's yep, it. Yep. And, and basically this, uh, this company is carry. Uh, they, they supplied their flavoring to Starbucks globally. So, okay. you know, 80% of their business is just, the, the pump, the <laughs> pump and dump of the flavor. <laughs> so, okay. Never heard that term so, uh, related to a coffee before. And typically it's stocks, but okay. Oh, you can apply it to a lot of things. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so basically just wanted to make it more elegant, sure. I guess. Uh, so we just, we went on just an absolute tangent of like trying to invent like you know we're software engineers how are you just invent something yeah it's a so fortunately it started off as just oh can you guys come up with some ideas and just do like a visualization um so that that part's not too difficult um actually i'm gonna link you um because you will be able to find this on my portfolio actually I have some pictures just so people can have a little bit of context. Sure. Let's see. This should be it. Let me just double check. Yeah, there we go. Once you pull that bad boy up. Um, I would share my screen, but I don't want to make any mistakes. That's fair. uh where on your uh, portfolio so sorry. i would uh it would be the third one on the top on the right oh i'm sorry oh the royal caribbean. caribbean just just kidding uh center <laughs> bottom this is interesting oh okay all right let's uh let's bring this on sc on screen quick promise this was not rehearsed clearly <laughs> okay so we've got this is all so digital yeah. yeah so it was using Unreal engine so okay basically uh we, we came up with these two ideas one which i thought well, i mean was fucking dope which is the cap that goes on top you know when you put it on actually um if you scroll down a little bit there's a carry cap video. If you scroll down a little further, right there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So in that, you know, uh, if you if you want to post the link in chat, you can. Anyone can just look at, um, you know, that video of, of basically how how we wanted to do it. Uh, and essentially, like the cap, you'd put it on, and then the flavoring was in there, and you would twist the cap when you would get it, and you could do you know different amounts, so you could control how much essentially flavoring or sugar you wanted in your coffee. Sure. And, you know, I mean, I thought that was it was awesome. And then we just kind of, they were like, well, you know, that's really cool and stuff. But, you know, could you also try, like, making a machine 
you know, way that it's, you know, bronze and crafty and it's got knobs and levers and all steampunk and shit. Um, That's where this... Yeah, yeah. So you also did a visualization for that, you know, which is on that page. And uh, unfortunately, they wanted that one. (laughs) So, you know, this is something Swanton and I are actually pretty proud of. If you scroll all the way down, uh, there's pictures of the final product and it was functioning. Um, And they took this around to Starbucks in Dubai, in Germany, um, at these conventions to essentially, you know, try to try to sell people on it. So this looks awesome. We didn't get the, we didn't get the cap. Uh, we got the machine. Yeah. Uh, now, now you might say awesome, but I mean, I'm sure if, it took a lot. All, all this kind of circles back to this is why we ended up making hot or die. Really? <laughs> it's godforsaken flavor coffee machine. Um, New killer confirmed. The coffee addict. It it was just like a wild ride of, you know, it it started off, it's just like, can you just make one tiny mechanism, which is like four milliliters of flavoring, some kind of crank or something, which is better than pump pump, right? Sure. And, you know, I don't know if you've ever really been in the marketing industry or anyone who has, as they will know, things escalate very, very quickly. You know, the client comes in and is just like, oh, tweak this 10%. And it's the same thing as like a 401k. It's just compounding. So it's like 10% the first meeting, 20 the next, but now that's 20% of the additional 10. Yeah. The next thing you know, they're like, we want one to 10 milliliters of flavoring. We want four flavors. We want two, there's sugar inside that you can't see, which pumps out and Oh, God, I'm going to have an aneurysm thinking about it. <laughs> the um, inner workings of a coffee machine. I yeah. didn't know I didn't know I'd be learning that today. That's interesting. So it, it it kept coming back because it was a prototype, but they they wanted it to be like fully functional. Uh, you know, they paid mass market. They paid two hundred thousand dollars for this, thing, mm. which is just wild. Um, and, you know, they kept bringing it back. It, we keep sending it when it was finished and we always thought it was done and it was over, <laughs> but it would come back with like a broken gear or some leak. And and this is still just the three of you. Huh? This is still just the three of you. Uh, or is it like a, a, a big team? Swanton. Okay. okay. Uh, Sam was, Sam was going to school in Chicago. So me and Swanton were over in Singapore doing this stuff. I see. And, uh, I think it was, we had like this whole big presentation and stuff in, in the end of December of 2017. And then it came back at the end of January. We're just sitting there, you know, working on the next project. Um, and all of a sudden, like our, our boss and then the client, just the client, uh, like representative, the account guy. Sure. They come and they're bringing in the case and they sit on the floor and... <laughs> Emery is sitting here, you know, and I'm just like next to him on this side. You know, they, they come around here. They set it down behind his chair. So he, he couldn't even, you know, scoot his chair back to like get up. It was the weirdest thing. It's but very just like weird. look at him and he, he won't even turn around to look. He's just like side-eyeing me like this. <laughs> you know, guns are illegal in Singapore, but if he would have had one... 
who would find a messy office. And he just... Oh, he just, shit! <laughs> he just he looks at me, and it, it was soul-crushing. He just was... He was completely fed up, and I was just fed up. I, I just laughed. I, I just burst out laughing because it was so absurd that, that we're not done with us. Yeah. And we had to do one more. Um, How long at this point had you been going at it? Uh, we... Uh, oh, I remember the day. We were so happy when it started. It was July 31st, 2017. Okay. We just finished the Royal Caribbean project, mm-hmm. you know, which is on my portfolio there. And uh, we just, I think, I just got done with like a three-week vacation. Um, you know, I went back to the States with my good. parents and stuff. And I was coming back. I was like refreshed. And I kind of knew about the project because I was still in contact. And uh, it was just like... Uh, so guys, you know, you, you got to kind of invent this little mechanism. And Swanton and I were just like, hell yeah. They're just like, all right, here's the budget. It's 200K. Um, go to the hardware store. And I don't have any of these pictures for you because I don't know if <laughs> Swanton would let me show them. But we went and we were just like 13-year-old girls in the mall. I mean, taking pictures with everything. We were buying every gasket and, and tube and plungers and rubber socket, just everything we could think of. Um and, you know, just taxiing all over the island of Singapore. We had an awesome time. Um, and, I mean, we, we just made these cool little things in the first couple of days. And then it just kept going and going until, you know, end of January 2018. Mm-hmm. So it, it was a massive part of our lives. It was about 90% of the time Swanton was there. And he okay. just came from uh, CIG working on Star Citizen. Oh, so, you know, he thought... You know, he thought he was coming in to because we needed a technical artist. You know, mm-hmm. as a programmer, and it was just basically us and then one three D artist. Um, and you know, he finished up the Royal Caribbean, and then we started on some other stuff, and then he just got stuck with the coffee machine. <laughs> uh, and uh, that was kind of that was kind of the time. Um, late December, when when we like finished it all, you know, we were so like tired of it and uh, him and sam had started working on hider dies first like iteration i want to say like september of 2017 mm. so they started working on hider die then while we were doing this this and is before the kickstarter launched yes because that would have been of you know june 2018 yeah so you know they were prototyping uh Sam and Swanton, you know, they, they were prototyping a lot of different stuff. Uh, they have, like, a few prototypes they'd always kind of worked on together. You know, Sam is, he's brilliant. Like, he is just, like, he knows an idea. And, I mean, he, he essentially came up with the idea for Fall Guys uh, in, <laughs> in late 2017. Damn it. But, yeah. Should have pulled the trigger. Yeah, it, it wasn't as big battle reality, but it, sure. was, it was the very same sort of deal. Um and we should have went with that instead of die. I don't know about that. <laughs> Fall Guys is on my shit list, so yeah, we don't want to talk about that right now. And then, uh, so was, I, I was kind of getting the itch for for game development. I've always kind of dabbled in that kind of thing, you know. After the coffee machine, so Swanson and I started working on a prototype which came to be known as Moped Manslaughter. Um, that that we worked on for about two weeks. Um, and you know, the end of 2017, why Sam and him were working on, on the hide or die. Sure. Uh, and then 
I, I, I was like begging Sam and him to let me work on it with them because you know I wanted to have you know have a team of guys and you know let's let's start doing this. Yeah, and uh, split the work. You know, they were pretty reluctant because I, I didn't know Sam at all. You know, uh, and you know he wants to give up you know fifty percent of his idea. You know, no one ever wants to do that because it was just those two guys. Mm-hmm. Um, but I kept begging and begging and begging. <laughs> Uh, and uh, I, I told him about a time because Sam said to me, he "Goes well, why do you want to do this so bad?" And I told him that me and my buddies back in 2008, when Crisis was released, we made a little like hide and seek sort of game where you know uh, no man would have a shotgun and everyone else would have no weapons and just would run around the map and you know if he tagged them they'd switch sides. Sure, you know just shotgun until until the match was over. So we built like tight little maps with lots of hiding spaces and stuff like that. So eventually they let me on. Um, and I want to, I want to say it was like the day after Christmas or something like that. So we were on vacation and, uh, we started working on hide or die, you know, all together. And it, it started as just like four players. It started basically how it ended. Really? You know, it was, oh yeah. It was, it was like four players. Um, it was, you would go into the house, someone would find the axe, they would just become the killer, and then you had until midnight to get out. You know, you had to find keys and things of that jazz. So it was um, more uh, closed space as opposed to open space. Very, you know, so you could hide in every cabinet or like in the TV stand or get in the places you, you know, you really shouldn't be able to. Sure. Um, and the first... <laughs> To, to have a Steam page, you must have a video okay. you know, to, to make it public. So um, they put up a trailer. And, I mean, they slapped it together. And it's if you look at the quality of what, what was then to what we did, you know, over the course of the first year and then the second year, you know, it was, it was such a huge difference. Um, and we, we felt like we kind of had something there. Um, so then... Sam was starting to get a little burnt out. He'd been working on it since September, right? So September, October, November, December, you know, January, five months. And it's you know, a long time. that's where you start. That's where you start to kind of get a lot of bugs and it gets annoying. And <laughs> this is where this is, it's really hard to finish something. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. That's Easy to start. Really very difficult. hard to finish. Yeah. yeah it's, it's probably the hardest thing to do in game dev. And I was just coming off, you know, a year where, I programmed seven different Unreal Engine projects that went out to clients, you know, at the job I was working in Singapore. Okay. So, you know, I, that's kind of how I really got myself on there. I'm just like, yo, man, I, I'll help you finish it. I, I can do this. I have a track record. You know, they're not huge projects, you know, maybe a four-week project or three-month project. Sure. Um, so we, <clears throat> we moved it from not being in a house to just the farm level. Okay. Which is actually the screenshot that you have up on, on yeah, Emma, the Emma's farmstead, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, became Emma's farmstead much, much later, but sure, yeah, sure, that sure. was the the basis for it. <laughs> um, and that it was the same same sort of deal. Just uh, there would be an axe, and all players would spawn it, and they would just would run and pick it up, and whoever would pick it up, all the you know the lights would go to red, and that's how you knew you know who the killer was. Um, then we started putting in the fuse box mechanic at that point, 
then the hunter got the radar and it it just kind of evolved from that it just was one thing on top of another sure um I mean, I, I can keep going. I can take you all the way up to the Kickstarter and beyond if you want. Yeah, I'm, I'm in for the ride, man. I, I, I don't know what... There's so much that I want to ask, but I don't want to derail the story too much. Like, Okay. Um, just so keep, we, keep going for now. So we, we, we worked on that, and we, we, had, we had our very first like closed Discord alpha test in... Like mid mid January, late January, it was like I was there for like two weeks working on the project. It was only like a hundred people. You know, our Discord is really small, and sure. Um, basically, the feedback that we got was, I like running to get to get the axe, and we we just want it to be bigger. You know, they just wanted more space, more hiding spaces. Um, so you know, we just took the feedback, you know, from that, and we we expanded it until we eventually had our discord alpha which was in not the out not like the closed one but the yeah. one that we didn't kind of let anyone in in-house which, qa yeah it was like um i think we had 100 in the january and then 2500 in the end of march discord alpha so you know we it just kind of exploded in that yeah. time um and basically what we said was on our steam page was if you want to play, you can play it for free, but you got to be in the Discord. Sure. I just send people to our Discord. It just was growing and growing and growing. And you know how anything is. It's it's exponential when it comes to that stuff. Um, and then when we when we uh, sent out the keys, we, we had an absolute disaster because Swanton made like a bot that was supposed to pass them out and stuff. Sure. And it could only do like like 10 keys per five seconds or something like that. And everyone, you know, it was exclamation point, give key is all you had to type oh, anywhere in the Discord. No. Um, and, you know, I didn't, I didn't prepare for this. I should have, but uh, <laughs> my wife was so excited that she took a, a video of it. <laughs> I gotta find, I'll have to find it and we can send it out later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Video. You know, I had my two screens and we had like the countdown and she was all excited, you know, and it's like counting down, counting down. I'm on a call with Swanton and I can't remember exactly what he says, but he just goes, he just goes, oh my God, oh my God, the key bots broke, the key bots broke. <laughs> but on the other screen, I got Discord and it's just give, 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 give. I mean, and she recorded it. It's just. It's hilarious. I still watch it every once in a while, but it's on my other PC. <laughs> you got to send that over um, or uh, post it post it in the Discord so we can uh, yeah, I'll, so we I'll can take to. a look at it. Um, it, it, was, it was hilarious. He was freaking out. I was freaking out. <laughs> uh, but people really enjoyed it. You know, what, what they liked was the, the fuse box mechanic was it, you had to use your brain a little bit. You know, you had to press the corresponding keys on your keyboard and you had to rush for the object. And then it would change. You do like three tiers, and then you'd have to escape to the dock. You know, only half the players could escape, or something like that. Um, and that really like got people's attention, and the, you know, Discord just really started to grow from there. And then we we listened to the feedback there, and the the feedback was, you know, if I become killer, um, I don't want to have to like run into the next area because I have zero chance of 
being the killer next. Because, sure. you know, we'd spawn you back and then you'd go over there and someone would grab it. So that, that was some of the feedback. And then um, uh, another was that there just wasn't enough players to kill because the map was starting to get bigger because people wanted more more area. But then that becomes harder to find people. And, you know, unfortunately, you go from four, then we messed around with six, and then eight, I think, was a Discord Alpha. Maybe we upped it to 12. And, you know, that's how we ended up arriving at the 16 verse one for the Kickstarter. Because we're like, okay, uh, 15 verse one. Yeah. Um, you know, we thought that's a good number. Uh, you know, it's kind of 16 players is, is obviously kind of like proven itself over time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, 16, 32, you know, 64, stuff like that. Um, but, you know, people people wanted the areas to be varied. You know, mm-hmm. I think you started at the church and you kind of went to like a little, like a little in between, like a slaughterhouse area and then to a farm. And it, it was really difficult to try to try to blend those together for those three stages that we had in the Discord Alpha. And people knew what the next section was, and, and they kind of said they didn't they didn't like that. And you know that obviously pushed us into eventually what Kickstarter was about, and then the first beta, uh, which was you'd go into an area, you'd have no clue what the next one was. You'd go in, you'd do the fuse boxes and you know, to to power the lights, I guess. And yeah, it's yeah. hard to remember. It is fuzzy. And then when you would go in, you could have to go out one of four directions. So it was very nonlinear. So you mm. couldn't just, you know, oh, we just go this way and it's going to be over. You could go in, you could go out this way, that way, back where you came. And you could go back where you came, but you'd be going into a different area, kind of have like that waiting area in between, and then boom, a whole new area. So we kind of had the seam of the waiting area. So we could do really different things like, you know, the swamps to a plane crash, you know, to, you know, the, the farmhouse. It was all, you know, pretty seamless. And, you know, obviously that that caught on, you know, the Kickstarter did amazing. Um, yeah, it did amazing. Well. You know, really, it was the people of the Discord, you know, you know, w- without having... I think we had like 3,000 or so before we did the Kickstarter and we're just so excited about it. They donated to streamers to watch it. You know, famously Ninja watched, you know, in that video and getting like 2 million views. And, I did not know that. You know, yeah. Yeah, we you, you can find it on YouTube. Um, and, you know, Ninja's a... He's, he's an entertainer. You know, hate him, or, hate him or love him. He He sells whatever he's watching or playing, which is very counter to, you know, maybe how Shroud might watch your video and sure. give you shit or, you know, something like that, right? Which he did, and he said it was absolute ass and garbage. <laughs> you know, I, I, I agree with him a little bit. <laughs> you know, at that time, so. Uh, That's but, rough. You know, just sold it, acted scared, rewound parts to look at it, and, you know, we're, we're really thankful to him for that. And, mm. you know, that that's the thing, you know, I think it was um, Bromo. She was a mod for a while, the real Bromo. Um, she donated twenty bucks to Ninja, and he watched the whole nine-minute video. That's pretty good. You know, it's just it's unbelievable. So um, I think I gave her a hundred bucks after that to go do more <laughs> stuff. <laughs> yeah, I don't think we really got. Be her community her, manager. Here you go. Yeah. <laughs> um, so you know we had the Kickstarter and. 
when, when we were building the Kickstarter, it was, it was um, a lot of effort. It's a very surprising amount of effort uh, to, to build the materials. And essentially, you, you're stuck promising stuff whether you know it's feasible or not. Yeah, you I know? mean, you, you have to sell yourself and uh, uh, make what you're, you're showing worth enough for people to reach that goal. And sometimes the goals are pretty high. I think Kickstarter and, is a weird spot. And, you know, if everything that we that we set in there that we were going to do, we had uh, a prototyping working version of it. So we felt comfortable enough, you know, to say, we'll do this, we'll do that. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, the, the thing with game dev is something can sound just incredible on paper, but once you actually do it, it's just dog shit. And, you know, that, you know we'll get into that later. Um, well, we could talk about I engines guess. and things later. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that that might play into it. <laughs> um, I mean, I guess th this is probably like a, a good point to kind of stop and, you know, any questions or anything, because, you know, beyond Kickstarter is a whole nother, you know, before Kickstarter is a very wild, wild west. And, <laughs> you know, we're just like, none of us have had shipped an actual video game i had shipped you know projects and, and stuff yeah. like that for clients like shell oil and british telecom and, and whatnot but not, know, it's a whole other crazy thing after yeah that. not not quite the same especially when you said like the discord's up to like three thousand people at that point you know you're 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 you've got a pretty big testing group um and and i think the vec4 devs have always been very much in tune with the community and in tune with things that like are really great game breaking and things that people really don't like and uh, quick at implementing changes to that. And at least I hopped in with the Kickstarter. So I wasn't around pre Kickstarter. So that's, that's something that I quickly learned uh, in the various iterations of the, the, the betas and in through the launch. Um, my, my question is, do you think that, um, the original vision for Hide or Die was somehow muddled or muddied up by the um, uh, attempting to not please, but uh, uh, listen to the voice of the community. Do you think maybe like that scale tipped a bit too far? Uh, and then by the time Kickstarter hit, it was just simply a, a, a different game. Yeah, you know, I I would say there's probably three instances of that, which would have been the jump from our more public Discord alpha at the end of March of 2018 to the to the Kickstarter. Uh, another one would have been uh, end of December 2018 after we did our beta, and then another would have been like April of 2019. So we can touch on those later, but sure. you know, specifically to this. Um, I don't. I don't want to say it muddied it, but you know, you can't. You can't just ignore people who are playing your game and say they want X, Y, Z. You know, when they when they told us we want it bigger, when we had four players. Okay, well, let's. We ended up taking up to eight, and we we're pretty happy with that. Before we ended up, you know, it was between the close, the closed alpha and that, yeah, and the Discord alpha in March. Um, and we felt pretty comfortable with that. We're like, there was a lot of action for the killer. And uh, the problem was there was less action for the survivor. 
sure. as you increase survivors. So then, you know, you're probably wondering, well, why would you do 15 verse 1? <laughs> well, the, 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 the idea there was previously you would just would be the killer and you were the killer mostly. Yeah. Um, and only a couple people got a shot at it. You know, with our vision for what the Kickstarter version of the game was going to be, it was just, you know, these three to five minute sections and then you're just off to the next one. And it, it dwindles down. Like in the beginning, it's pretty frantic. And as a survivor, yes, there's 15 of you, so chances of being hunted are low. But it's pretty frantic because you're like, all right, I have this is my chance. He might not find me. You know, let me go do the objective. Let's get these lights on. Let's move to the next. You know, you lose two to three people, and now you're down to you know 10 to 12, whatever. And then there, it's you're racing to get to the to the orb at the time. So there was a lot of action for you at that moment. Uh, and generally what would happen is, you know, you'd converge at the same time and then you'd have to like do a U-turn and <laughs> run away. Or just so, stand you know, right that, behind the killer. That's fine. Yeah. So, you know, that first minute or so was, you know, really, really active, even though there's a lot of players. And then just as it dwindled down, it got more and more active for the survivors. Um, so we kind of mitigated that. I think we got lucky, hmm. uh, to, to be honest, because you know, when we wrote it up on paper, we're like, oh, yeah, it'll dwindle and, you know, we'll get down to 1v1. But we never stopped really to think about how that was going to affect the survivor experience. Um, you know, it ended up mostly working out, you know, for the Kickstarter. And people obviously, you know, excited about it. But, you know, when you when you listen to people, it's going to take you places you, you maybe didn't want to go. <laughs> oh, yeah, didn't want to go or maybe even things that you didn't think about that, that are that are positive. You know, there's positive and negative. Yeah. To- um, I, I got a I got a great example actually. We, you know, when we when we started out, we wanted this we wanted this shit to be gritty. You know, you needed to crawl and crouch and sneak and sprinting is going to make noise and you're going to get caught. And then you know to find a fuse box, you needed to, to find the fuse box. You know, it would have a red light and we do it by lighting. You'd go over there and you know you do it. And unfortunately. Only twenty percent of the players understand that. You yeah, know, everyone else <laughs> needs, you know, the lightning bolt icon above yeah, it yeah. go here and activate. And you know, we we got some. This is kind of post Kickstarter, but we got some pushback on that because they're like, "Oh, you're just dumbing it down. You know, it's not it's not uh, realistic anymore." And you know, and you piss off those people that try to make the eighty percent, you know. So they can have fun. Yeah, there, there's always going to be a majority of people who, who who have fun and a minority of people who are like, you know, diehard elitist. Uh, yeah, yeah. Which, you know, if, if they want to find a game that's like that and the game that they like is going in a different direction, like, that's fine. Um, I think there's still room for that. But uh, uh, I, I, did, I did think something about that because when you mentioned the original fuse boxes, I was like, oh, yeah, there was the full keyboard. You had to type, and I remember hating it because <laughs> I suck at typing while not looking at the keyboard. So when when it went to the number box, I was like, "Oh, that's awesome!" Because I could actually like yeah. play the objective and not just like hide and make sure someone else does it. You know? Well, you know, <laughs> I mean, obviously, you know, a lot of the feedback was from people who were you know dissatisfied with what DVD wants. You know, obviously, is you know a, a great game objectively. Um, I personally didn't like it. I think I played 45 minutes and I was like, ah, man, fuck this shit. I've played like 800 hours and I don't know if I like it yet. (laughs) 
I, I didn't refund it though because it was you know more of like a an indie studio and mm. you know it's the same reason I bought uh, Insurgency. You know I just you know it's hard it's hard to make a game and if you if some people are making some quality stuff and you know I I, I reserve my refunds for absolutely trash games like legitimately trash yeah because you know this is a, this is a whole nother rant that will, that will go on but uh you know imagine imagine you go to walmart and you you buy some off-brand macaroni you know you should get the craft <laughs> but you don't because you're kind of cheap you get the off-brand macaroni you go home, yeah. yeah you go home you eat it and you're just like man this this is a garbo you don't you don't get to go back to the store, ask for your money back, and then go to the aisle where it is and put up a sign which says this is Garbo, don't buy it. <laughs> you know, and that's that's really the difference between a you know, gaming product and one in the real world. Sure. And you know, in, in that instance, you know, I can understand really absolutely shit games, but you know, we'd see things where someone would have, you know, fifty, sixty hours you know, for a $20 game and then they, they give you an, a negative review. It's, you can't win, you know, yeah. you can't win. Um, or it's, you know, it's a uh, 0.1 hours and they're just like <laughs> shit game. Devs are liars. You know? And they're just like, man, come on, at, at least try to play it. You didn't even get through the tutorial. Cause I know yeah. it takes longer. Yeah. You know? Kept getting found by the, uh, yeah. the fisherman. But, uh, yeah, you know, you know, back to it. You, there's some difficult decisions you just got to make, and you know, we try to navigate the feedback and and our own vision. Um, and we we probably got away from our own vision pre Kickstarter a bit. Okay. Um, people helped kind of guide us to where I think we needed to go, and that was a time where I think us letting go of our original four players in a tiny house, get a key, escape by midnight. You know, I think that's where we made a good decision. Yeah, obviously, I, look at the Kickstarter. Yeah, the the Kickstarter success. Um, like when I saw the trailer, uh, this was this was during like the big initial craze of battle royales, right? This is right after mm -hmm. PUBG had really gone uh, uh, massive, and right at the beginning of Fortnite, and everyone's sort of on this battle royale kick. And I I remember I found it. Uh, because of other battle royales, someone had linked it, and uh, the idea to me, being a primarily horror game streamer, a horror battle royale that I could uh, implement into my stream that wouldn't be too uh, different than going from like playing Dead by Daylight to playing Fortnite, which is a completely tonally different game. Yeah, was was really intriguing and really good. So so obviously I I backed it right away. All of the uh, the promises didn't seem like out out there promises. Like you could, like you said, you could visually see what you had. You obviously promised things that you at least had a somewhat working idea of, which I think is is a major fault of most Kickstarters. They just sort of yeah, have these empty yeah. promises, and it's like, oh, I just spent a hundred bucks on this. Well, fuck you. Like three three years later, it's not there anymore. Um, so the battle royale aspect really piqued my interest and I guess is what what really um got a lot of people on it um what do you think led to a sort of 
revision or reverting away from that. Like you said, you know, we started at four people, then we got up to 16. And that's what a lot of people, at least in, in, in the public eye, seem to uh, uh, grab onto. And then we, we dwindled back down to four. Uh, and that's where we're at now. What do you think was uh, uh, either a major cause or, or a design decision? Yeah, I mean, I would say there's there's a lot between, you know, the end of the Kickstarter and the time when when that happened. Um, so, you know, I, I can get to that answer, but I should probably kind of bring this up to that moment. Sure. Um, so post post Kickstarter, um, you know, we did like one hundred and fifty five thousand, I think it was. Um, we, I want to say we set our goal to 52,000 or 57,000 or something like that. It was below 60, um, 60K, I think. Yeah. And, you know, that was, so let me back up. My undergrad is accounting. Okay. okay? So I, I, I actually, let me back up even further just so you can get an idea. <laughs> In the beginning. <laughs> kind of what it sorry, sorry, I'm all over the place. Um, so when, when I was in high school, I wanted to be a professional golfer. I mean, that was, okay. that was a dream. You know, I started the golf team at my high school. Um, uh, and we had it my, my freshman year and sophomore year, I was trying to petition the school board and, you know, we were at a really small school, you know, 115 kids. Mm. The town is like 3000 people, uh, up in Wisconsin. Okay. And, uh, uh, petitioned them for two years. We finally got the golf team my junior year. Um, we placed the last place in conference my junior year. And then my senior year, we won conference. And, nice. you know, I, I was really excited about that. Uh, the golf team made it like another 10 years after I'd left, but I was really excited about it. So if you want to become a professional golfer, you have to go to Q school, which is to get your, uh, it's basically to qualify to get your PGA card. So you can be a PGA pro golf on the tour. Sure. I was going to go to Arizona to a Hughes school. Um, but then I stayed in Wisconsin because of the girl I was dating. What an idiot. <laughs> Seems like a good move. So I, I stay in Wisconsin. So I end up deciding going to one of the state universities, which had a golf course design and management uh, bachelor's degree. So I was like, oh, sweet. You know, I remember when I was nine years old and, you know, Windows 95 or whatever it was back then like uh, painting little golf courses in MS Paint. You know, it was just the coolest thing ever. So I was like, oh, I'll do that. And then after the first semester, I realized I'm not going to make any money doing this. So I switched switched to finance, uh, you know, like like broker kind of finance and and all that kind of stuff. And then after that semester, I realized I don't, it's like against my morality. I felt like this is too (laughs) sleazy of finance for me. So I ended up switching to accounting and, you know, that's what I ended up, you know, going to school for. So did accounting, did finance for a while. Then I, I was doing that in Kansas city. And then that's where I just, I was like, this corporate world is driving me crazy. I sold everything, my house and went to South Korea to teach English. So I taught English there for two and a half years, taught myself under Lenjin, got a job in Singapore doing VR stuff. That's where I met Swanton. Sure. So all the way back to how we figure out how much we should do the Kickstarter, you know, we'd always take the subway home after work. It's like 45 minutes. Okay. Because the rent was so stupid in Singapore. It was like, 
Yeah, it had to or live was, outside the city, right? Yeah, it was like $2,100 a month for 700 square feet. You know, people in L.A. and stuff are probably like, oh, well, that's not that expensive. <laughs> yeah, but you live in L.A. So you choose to do that. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, if, if I wanted to be like close to work, it's like 3500 a month for a one bedroom. Oh it's just ridiculous. So, you know, we're, we always had this 40, 45 minute drive back on the subway. And, you know, we're trying to determine, you know, we kind of work backwards. It was how much do we need to, to do what we think we're going to promise? And, you know, our, as the Kickstarter was doing well, we were getting um, investment pitches to us. Interesting. You know, while the Kickstarter was kind of doing well. Uh, and we were kind of hoping that's something that could happen, but we you know, weren't really sure. So we figured it would cost about 100K to, to do what we wanted to do. Um, and 100K is a lot to get on Kickstarter. So, you know, we did a lot of research. I was crunching the numbers in Excel. You know, this is the accounting in me. And, uh, you know, we found that Kickstarters that were successful, it, I mean, just Kickstarters in general, you either did essentially zero or you doubled how much you asked for. Hmm. And that, that was just kind of like across the board. So we, we realized that you shouldn't ask for a hundred if you want to get a hundred, because if your Kickstarter is even going to work, it's going to be double whatever you ask. Sure. So we went, you know, mid 50,000 and, you know, you hit it within the first week and now just people dogpile on because it's the fear of missing out. Exactly. It's, it's the perception that this will be successful. If other people like it, that means I will like it. So, you know, that was a calculation we did there. And obviously it went even better than that, you know, did 155. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, after taxes and fees and, you know, refunds and all that jazz, it came out to like 137,000. So like 20 K just chopped right off the top. That's a lot. A lot of people don't realize (laughs) that. So when they think, oh, wow, 155,000, you know, they're like, oh, three guys, you know, they can, they can live comfortably for two years and make the game. It's just not the reality of, of, of doing something like that. Um, now, if we kept our full-time jobs, which was the plan, if we could only get 50-some thousand, because, um, you know, we had good jobs in Singapore. There's no reason to leave. Yeah. We're just so disillusioned after the coffee machine fiasco <laughs> that, you know, we were just praying that, that it would work. So, you know, we get the 155, um, and then, you know, we kind of looked at it and we thought, you know, this is our chance. This is a chance to do it. Uh, so then we start trying to figure out, you know, all the tax issues and all that. And because we're U.S. citizens, you know, no matter where you you live, you know, you're you're going to be taxed. Now, your first your first hundred k, if you live overseas the whole year, you don't pay any tax on. Probably not a lot of people know that, which is very awesome. Um, but you know, if you're running a business, you know, you're going to be getting your business is going to be getting paid from uh, Valve. Yeah. Now, if you if you are not a uh, if your company is not U.S. based, automatically if there's not a tax treaty with the U.S., Steam takes their thirty percent, but they also take another thirty percent for U.S. tax. Just boom, straight away. Whoa. So, yeah. So they're just you know they're just. It's because there's some some tax law about the way Valve treat they treat it as royalties. Okay. Which I'm not sure why they do that because 
I know they can do it differently where the, the creator, they wouldn't take the 30% tax. So I'm not really sure what, what the reason is for that, but eh, it's another story for another day. Sure. So we, we essentially realized, okay, well, we could try to start a business in Sing- Singapore, but we'd have to find someone who's a citizen or a permanent resident. And, you know, Singapore will tax us, even though they have really low taxes, but all the U.S. income, which is about 35% of steam revenue, they're going to take 30% of that. So, you know, we're calculating. We have no choice. We have to move back to the United States. Mm. Number one, that's expensive. <laughs> um, yeah. Swanton just left a year earlier. Oh, no. <laughs> so he really wasn't excited about it. Um, I, I guess I had been gone almost five years. Uh, I didn't really have a desire to come back because, mm. you know, life was great overseas. Uh, easy to travel and all that. So we, we just kind of were forced. So we're taking that, that lump of money, which is like a hundred and we'll say 140. And, you know, we, we have to come back here. Sam still has to go to school. So he can't, you know, he can't, uh, you know, quit and work full time. So it's like, oh, okay, where do we move? Well, there's, well, I think seven States that have 0% state income tax. Hmm. It's like you know, Washington, Nevada, Tennessee, whatever. So we ended up Dallas, Texas. Sure. Um, so we got here. We got one of those like little, uh, like a WeWork sort of deal. It wasn't at WeWork, but the same sort of deal where you can kind of like rent a little office and you know have a little space. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it was it was probably like the size of this room, which really is not that big, <laughs> and it was like eighteen hundred dollars a month. Oh my god. And we really didn't want to get it, but we, because we said that we were going to do the beta uh, October 31st, we needed to hire an artist and an animator. We just, we could not rely on just freelance. And uh, so that means we had to get an office. So you just, it just starts chipping away at the money, you know, real quick. so we just like slaved away to, to the beta, uh, October 31st. And, uh, it, it was a disaster, <laughs> you know, it was tough getting it. on and, and finding games. I remember that. Yeah. We, we were complete idiots. Like we said, we could do like 10 games on one server, which was just, oh, we just did some bad math. It was real bad. <laughs> um, and you just, it was so stupid. And, uh, you know, p- people had a horrible time trying to play, but, you know, the, the few people who could, who could play, you know, they liked it, but it was so buggy. And, you know, we're, we're trying to do this so quickly because we don't want to be like the other Kickstarters, which take three years and then you have nothing to show for it. So uh, I think we had just a hair over 3,000 players played that. Oh, nice. Um, and it was just like over a weekend, I think. Yeah, yeah. It was and, just uh, a couple days. Yeah, it was just over a weekend. And we were just like, oh, my God. It was just like a slap in the face. It was, we were so tired from the sprint to that beta. From Essentially, we started September 1st. We got in the States. You know, we still had to work our jobs. Mm-hmm. You know, to, We had to give them like a month notice and all that to find a replacement. So, so September 1st, October 31st. We got an office, we moved overseas, we hired two employees, and we did all that in the, in the two months. And, you know, we, 
we were very tired from it, but we were happy that we were able to get something out there that, that we thought people liked. And then we did a follow-up test in early, no, mid-December. Mm. And we only had 300 players that played them. Interesting. I can't remember yeah. if I was part of that or not. I, I don't remember the timeline. I, you, you may not have, because there's only 300 <laughs> And to, to be honest, we were shocked. All the server issues were fixed, tons of bugs. There was very few, like, really game-breaking stuff. And mm. we thought, like, you know, this isn't, like, people are going to be excited about this. This is going to tell us that we're on the right direction. Because people still said they liked what, what they saw. And then for no one to come back and play it, when all these people have essentially already paid for the game through Kickstarter, yeah, I mean, we we, we didn't know what to think. It, it was just, I think, it was horrible. I, I think a lot of that has to do with the current um, uh, psychology of people who consume early access games and betas and alphas and things like that. Like I believe Fortnite is still technically an early access game. I don't know if they've ever fully released the Battle Royale. Like, I don't, I don't think so. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> people, people have been uh, uh, accustomed to a full game being an early access. And this is just more than, you know, Fortnite or, or anything else like that. I think it's across the board. Even uh, you know, a, a lot of games on Steam are, are uh, culprits in this. You... you how you you tote a game being a full release uh like three or four months ahead of schedule just to you know maybe oh someone pre-ordered it so they get you know early access to this and then they release this game and it's like basically a full game it just gave a little bit more time for the devs to like polish things up or or add in some dlc for later on and then the game releases and and when the game releases nothing changes because the game was released a couple months ago when they said it was early access. So I think, I think a lot of the philosophy uh, uh, that, that people who consume this, this type of early access content think that a game should be finished or at least very, very presentable in early access beta and alphas, they don't understand that that's for mass testing. Like you, you're supposed to deal with the bugs, report them. Yeah, it can be exhausting to report bugs as a player, but... That's what you're signing up to do. You're signing up early to gain access to the ability to help the devs and help you know the community sort of make this a better game. And I think yeah, a lot of people uh, don't understand that. Yeah, I mean, like like Sepris, uh says in chat, you know, a, a lot of people they're going to try it once, and you know, if it's buggy and whatnot, they're they're not going to come back to it. And you know, it, it's a good point, but. You know, basically what we thought was, if it's fun, they're going to they're going to want to play it six weeks later when we say, hey, we have a new update, the server's fixed, you know, the issues that you had are gone. If the core game loop is fun, you know, we, we expect them to come back. Yeah. And they didn't. So we, you know, the, <clears throat> you know, we're at this point, we have four people in an office, uh, you know, we're here in the States, and after after October beta, you know, we're going into the December, and when when it was only three hundred players, I mean, the very next day we were very serious about trying to find funding mm. because we 
we didn't want to say it, but we knew just like looking in each other's eyes, Swanton and I, I mean, we generally ran operations, you know, because Sam was in school much of the time. And, you know, I'm 10 years senior than both of those kids. Sure. So, <laughs> you know, it, it was up to me. You know, I, I was the CEO, you know, on paper, but, you know, I had the most experience of the business and all that kind of jazz. So. Sure. So we just got serious about trying to find funding and, and pitching and reaching out to the people who reached out to us during the Kickstarter because we knew, we didn't want to say it, but we knew we were going to have to re remake the game. Because we were planning, like, March, we were going, you know, we're going to take, like, the six months after that beta. Well, I guess it would be six, it would be, what, four? Yeah. And release, you know, into early access in, in March of 2019. And... um you know, money was probably going to run out early March. And, you know, we're just going to be able to coast right to release. And, you know, that's what we had planned from the beginning. You know, that's why we asked for the amount of money that we did. And do the beta here. We'll get the feedback. We'll do this. We'll do that. You know, on the Kickstarter, we said, you know, beta at the end of August and then release, you know, October 31st. But yeah. um, we, you get so much feedback from people who wanted in on the Kickstarter that you were starting to realize that what you said in the Kickstarter, you needed to, to do more. Mm. So, you know, there was uh, three people who paid $2,500 to have their custom killer in the game. Um, only one of them made it in, which was Swifter, and we refunded the other two people. Just We just messaged them and just said straight up, like, uh, you know, we, we implemented one character, and it actually cost us, you know, $7,200 or something like that. You know, when you take, you know, the art and the hours and the animation and the design time to come up with the abilities, the testing, and, you know, we just calculate it out and we just said we can't afford it, you know, so we just give them their money back. You know, and a lot of people probably don't know that. They probably just think, oh, they just didn't deliver all the content. But, you know, we're, we're honorable people, so, <laughs> you know, we weren't going to do something like that. I, uh, I will say that that was going to be one of my sort of supplementary questions uh, because uh, I was just talking the other day uh, to my stream about like, hey, we know that Swiftor got in the game, but, you know, how many other people met that tier and, uh, you know, similar tiers like, you know, face being in the game and whatnot. Uh, so I appreciate you being uh, very transparent about that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Everyone got their face <laughs> in the game who, you know. Uh, actually, I'm pretty sure that the, the the two people in those tiers, we gave them every single reward except the killer for free. Mm. So they still got their face and they got their money back. So, you know, we're just trying to, to be honest and honorable. And Yeah. Um, so, you know, we, we started looking for funding and um, it was, I want to say, like super early January or 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 mid, I don't know, mid-December, something like that, late December, somewhere around there. You know, it's kind of blurry. Um, we got some, and it basically was like matching the Kickstarter. Sure. So then we knew, it's like, okay, um, you know, we put a bunch of effort into this, and people just were not, just not down for it. Um, so that's where we get to this question where you're like, you know, where where did it kind of shift? Um It was, it was an ugly, probably, when January came, everyone just kind of went on vacation. Mm. Um, you know, we gave our employees two weeks and, you know, just go off and, you know, just refresh because when you come back, shit's going to be hitting the fan. 
Um, and then during those two weeks, um, you know, I, I didn't, I didn't have a lot of personal savings at that time. I, I spent a lot of it just to move overseas, you know, to bring my wife and come here and repurchase essentially everything. Cause it's yeah. too expensive to ship it all. Um, so I, we, we didn't go anywhere and I just sat down and wanted to get my mind fresh off a of hide or die. And I started working on the moped manslaughter prototype again and basically looking at the entire art style of that and you know what the game was going to be and you know because we were realizing that we put all of our eggs into one basket yeah which was the hide or die 15 versus one dedicated server 1v1 at the end the matches were taking 45 minutes and you can't have two players in a dedicated server for 45 minutes you're going to go broke <laughs> it's just there's no other way around it that's why battle royales also have the closing ring yeah 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 because you want that shit to be done fast you know <laughs> well, obviously the pressure and all that too but uh so i, I worked on moped manslaughter for probably about two weeks and then when the guys came back um you know we had a contractor you know do some stuff on it why we started thinking about hide or die and we did some animations and, you know, we had a nice little prototype, but it's like, all right, we kind of have a little something here in case we got to go to it. But, you know, it's, it's back to time for hide or die. Mm -hmm. And, uh, February was essentially just, I don't want to say fighting, but lots of design meetings. Okay. You know, we, at the end of December, we, uh, we ended up getting moving offices. Okay. Um, we got a much bigger place, which was in the apartment complex where literally all of our employees lived. It was right downstairs. Um, it was, you know, like five times the size for basically <laughs> the same price. Convenient. So, so we moved into that. So we had a nice big area and large TV and couch and bathroom and all of our private stuff. So, you know, we posted some photos of that and some of our updates. Um, so all of February was you know, what are we going to do? You know, what are we going to do? Well, what we thought would work didn't work. And we, we basically just kind of, you know, listed out like what, what do people like? What did they like about every version that we played? And it just, it constantly kept coming back to size. Uh, people were really upset that if the killer found them, they just would die. And then they're out of the match and they're gone. You know, you come in with your friend, he's going to play 45 minutes and you died in the first, <laughs> in the first section, you know, sure. it is, it's horrible for streamers. It's horrible for people playing with their friends, but it's a great solo experience. And, you know, as we've seen with battle royales, like Fortnite and, um, the one by respawn, who, what was that one called? Like the Titanfall universe. Respawn. Oh, uh, Apex. Apex. Apex Legends. You know, they put in respawn mechanics, essentially. You know, because it sucks. You play with your friend, and then he's going to go on and play 20 minutes. You got to sit in the lobby. Yeah. Or if you're streaming, you just got to sit there and spectate. You know, it's it's, it's not good. So um, we were trying to figure out solutions around a lot of that stuff. And people constantly kept telling us they want to be able to fight back against the hunter because if the hunter is going to be very strong and deadly and they find me and I die, I need to have get out of jail free cards. Mm. Um, 
you know, a lot of other stuff happened, but, you know, that's where we ended up getting all the items and guns. And we, we said that we were going to have respawns essentially, you know, you lose all the darkness you had collected and kind of have to start over, but you at least stay in the same match with your friends and you wouldn't be spending more time in the lobby than playing. Um, and, you know, basically all, all of that February, we just tried to figure out what people liked and why people didn't come back and play and what was not fun. And, you know, we just realized a lot of the things that, that we were originally set out to do were just so, so, so bad for the experience for 90% of the people in the server. So that's, that, that's kind of like what, you know, shifted it to the escape game mode. Um, we, we still had some plans for LMS, mm. but we were, we were hoping that escape was going to, you know, catch people's attention. And more so what it did was it just like shocked them and surprised them, you know. I mean, this is the, know, uh, was... this is the, the like PVE uh, game yeah. type. Where there are still killers, once you collect a certain amount of darkness, you would go to a darkness site and uh, become a killer and then go find people. And it was like the entire map. It was like basically the entire map. It was super huge. Go find people and kill them. Yeah. And you know, another one of the things was, uh, you know, I never get a chance to play Hunter. <laughs> I mean, I, I literally cannot explain to you how many emails I just read up. I never get to play <laughs> Hunter. I never, I never played Hunter. I, I can't play Hunter. Even the people who came back for, you know, the, the December beta test with 300 players, you know, they just couldn't play Hunter because you, you couldn't put predefined spots because then people are going to cheese it. So yeah. we needed to make it essentially random, you know, obviously excluding buildings for clipping and stuff, right? But, you know, and, and pe people were just so upset. So we're like, well, fuck it. Let's have multiple hunters. <laughs> and you, just, you know, you do your objectives. If you want to become hunter right now, you can go be hunter. Yeah. And then go on your little rampage and, you know, you have a limited time. And, you know, we really thought that was an awesome mechanic. And, you know, there's, there's a decent chunk of people who much, much, much preferred escape to the LMS that we had before. And that... When we announced it, you know, a lot of people kind of started dreaming of what the game would be for them. You know, and that's that was our idea with Bale County okay. and, and the escape game mode. Uh, because we, we wanted to populate it with, you know, you could hop on a moped, which I already had the code for from the little prototype, you know, and drive around the map and, you know, go to different destinations with friends. And, you know, he's on the back with you know, a gun and he's just, you know, firing at the hunters. He's trying to chase you and you're going in a circle <laughs> and, you know, just make it more sandboxy and, sure. you know, trying to be more of like a horror adventure that you're going out to with your friends because we had found that people just wanted to play with their friends. Yeah. Um, and with that is when we announced the essentially respawns, you'd come back out of the hatch mm. and, uh, just the word respawn just like made people panic. <laughs> so we took it out, which was one of these things where feedback kind of muddied our vision. Okay. Well, kind of coming back to that. And we shouldn't have done it. it. It was a horrible decision. We shouldn't have done it. And we did. And, you know, many of us 
you know, that were in the company, including employees, believed that that was one of the reasons it didn't go so well in the early access release. A lot of reviews about it's too hard. I have to go back to the lobby. I can't play with my friends. And that was that was a bad decision. <laughs> Although I will say that being a, a, a member of the Crow Gang is uh, pretty sweet. So you don't you don't necessarily have to respawn, but getting that achievement to shit on someone was the bane of my existence the entire time I played that game. I could not. It was so difficult. <laughs> but uh, yeah, Crow Gang uh, for life. Just saying. Yeah. Well, um, you know, there's there's kind of like a story for the final version of it. But you know, essentially, we went to early access. We we added in LMS. Um, and community is pretty split. You know, a lot of people liked the LMS version that we put together, which we tried to address some of the issues. And some people only wanted to escape and were mad that LMS was pulling players away. And, you know, we we got that division. You know, whenever there's a 50-50 choice, it's, it's always 50-50. Yeah. You know, it's never overwhelmingly one or the other. Um, so, you know, essentially... You know, the, the early access release was good. We we won a Steam award. We were Steam's best of 2019. We were one of the top releases of August. And, you know, as much as people maybe want to shit on our decisions and all of that jazz, you know, they can't take that away from us. <laughs> you know? So, I'm, you know, we're, we're pretty proud of that. And we know we did some things right and some things wrong. And that whole journey from, you know, the start of 2018 to release in, in August 2019 for early access, but you know there, there was a core thing there that people liked, but we did it in a single year from the Kickstarter, actually working on it full time, which is way beyond what normal Kickstarters do, except for you know the the S tier ones, which you know just blow up. Yeah, you know, we didn't sit on it for years and years and years and put out some half-assed version of what what we had said we would do. You know, we, we went above and beyond, I believe. And then tried to still put LMS in, even though we wanted to completely abandon it. But we still were kind of dragging it along as we <laughs> implemented, you know, escape. Sure. Because we had a feeling people were still going to want it, and you know, j- just imagine doing double the amount of work. It's really, is really what it was. Obviously, mm-hmm. focus was on escape, but um, you know, LMS was still fun for what it was. I mean, if you watch some videos of. Um, Monto or Omrecker or Satellizer, you know, they had amazing clips, amazing videos of LMS, and it was fun, it was intense, but their skill level was just so beyond everyone else of the way that they wanted to play LMS that those people just would get wrecked and never they just play. would be pissed because they can't <laughs> play with their friends and, you know, all that, all that jazz. Yeah, it, it creates a weird environment. And I know that uh, yeah. with with the uh, the Kickstarter backer tier that I had, I gotten I, I I was given a couple more keys, and I had chosen to give those away to uh, some of my viewers so that we could play uh, when the early access came out. We could play Escape or uh, LMS together, and I think uh, a majority of my community, because we are primarily a Dead by Daylight community, um, enjoyed LMS a little bit more. I mean, I preferred Escape. Um, 
especially because it was a lot easier to farm uh, the the currencies. Uh, <laughs> but yeah. the, uh, the the LMS mode was 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 pretty fun, and and I, I guess I had never really thought of um, the the progression of the shifting of the game makes more sense when you think about it in terms of escape than it does LMS. Like LMS seems like not where the game was going to go. Um, but, uh, I definitely saw a bunch of like, you know, Hey, you destroyed me. I'm never going to play the game again. Refund, which, yeah. which, which sucks. And, and I, I, I don't know if there's any fix for that other than, you know, focus more on one game type than the other. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think if we, if we would have put full resources into LMS, all it would have been was a bit more polished. Probably wouldn't have had some of the the release the release state bugs uh, that we had with it, which were just just complete like oversights on my part. So you know you can blame me for that. Because <laughs> um, uh, we we actually had the LMS bunker. Yeah. For, I mean, the LMS bunker like the original from you know from the Kickstarter video was there in the way you entered the game one week before we launched in, in August. And that was with and, the, uh, like the big gate opening and you running out. Yeah. Where you just run up from the base, essentially yeah, the base yeah, yeah. Right, or whatever okay. and, and, and go out. And we switched it to that bunker and he spawned in the area. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the reasons for that was uh, performance down there was just, it was so bad because, you know, it was like under the ground. So you could look up, you know, essentially like stuff would render. That was, so we try to like face people away from you know, the, the main play area. And, you know, we try to put out like occluders and stuff like that. But that area had to be baked, you know, for the lighting. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was, because it didn't look great, but then you have like this whole baked level here, which you're only in it for 30 seconds in the beginning. And just the whole thing. So essentially we had to move everything out just in a panic before release, just because of performance reasons. Mm. And, uh, you know, that's, that's where I ended up making some mistakes with, you know, um, the way LMS worked where you, now you just came out of the hatches and stuff. It was, it was ugly. It was ugly. <laughs> Well, so okay, so now we're at early access, and there's there's streamers getting a hold of the game. Now we're actually allowed to stream the game, and we're allowed to record the game and produce uh, footage for it. So it's getting out in front of people. We have good success with the uh, uh, early access, and then something happened. Um, I I I shifted my stream to half Dead by Daylight, half um, Hide or Die. I was doing. I was. I was starting to get a lot of footage that I could use for um, various videos. I was starting to do achievement hunting videos. Um, something happened in early access, and I don't know if you know, sort of behind the scenes, when or or how this might have happened. But uh, people just sort of stopped opening the game. Stop. People stopped playing the game, and then people stopped talking about the game. It was a gradual shift, but it was something that I myself found my, you know, when, when games started to become harder and harder to find, especially in escape mode, um, it, it it was disconcerting at at the time. Yeah. So 
basically like the first the first three weeks are probably pretty solid um but the the people who really liked the game and played it a lot you know they got through their 25 hours of progression that that we had in there and that's you know, what, right what, you know what what we kind of saw was you know once once there's nothing to grind for people just stop playing games i just i don't understand it you know maybe the game is just not fun enough so they only want the grind and you know I, I i find this to be a really common thing which is the whole reason battle passes exist now it's the whole reason because because of this universal truth that if people want something to grind for they're just they're not going to play it unless it's just the most fun game in the world you know sure. like rocket league or something like that where you don't even care about getting the stuff you just because it's fun you know <laughs> um and we're like, okay, well, you know, we said we're going to put Swifter out. So we, you know, we release um, Sledge was, was his name, yeah. um, the killer. And we decided to put the respawns back in because we still were getting the refunds and the emails. It's just like, it's not fun because I just die right away. And, you know, the game's over, blah, 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 and all this stuff. So we put like the coffin respawn mechanic in into the escape game mode, which eventually, you know, has made it way into the actual full release version mm. because there was good feedback on it. And um, we shrunk the map down because the player base was decreasing and people, you know, complained that they had to travel too far to get between objectives. And th the idea was, you know, maybe we didn't educate players on this very well, even though we had a tutorial which was like super fleshed out, um, you know, there's a low percentage of people who actually even even did it. But the idea was, are your own objectives? You know, you're you kind of got a cluster of an area, and then you're just like, um, it's time I want to be hunter. You become hunter, and now your speed is just ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. And I actually think back then you could. I don't know if we took this on or not, but you could press N, bring up your map, and you could just teleport to locations as a hunter. I think that was still in there. Well, there were there were the teleport uh, beacons. I'm not sure if you could actually like just click it, but you could go to a beacon at a, a yeah. and teleport around the map. I, I know at one version at, at one point <clears throat> I mean, we made so many fucking versions of this game, that, <laughs> yeah. but you could press M, you could just click, and you just would go. Um, but the idea was, okay, you're going to teleport to an area where you obviously know other players are because you've been kind of around here collecting your darkness, and now you're going to go kill them, and then your hunter juice is going to run out, mm -hmm. and now you're in this area, and now do the objectives. You know, so the large distances, really what that was about was more of like the AI combat and some of our more like, uh, we call them motifs, where, you know, the door would slam something would fall off the shelf sure um you know a, a chair would rock you know all, all that kind of stuff um and that was kind of the point of that so we're like all right well let's shrink the map down we kind of removed most of the motifs because there wasn't a lot of empty space um and it just it just wasn't good enough you know i mean we tried some stuff with lms with that as well and the player base just kept going down and i think it's just because of the it wasn't fun enough I, and progression. You know, I think if we had just progression upon progression upon progression, you know, we could have, you know, drug out that player base for a few months, but mm. we just 
it's a lot of effort to, to make that stuff. I, I remember you, you reminded me about progression. I had forgotten that, uh, it was survivor and then each killer was leveling up to level 20 based on XP to unlock their different perks, uh, and access to different things. Um, I remember hitting level 20 with stitches and going around and like, you know, murking people all over, but then being like, okay, well now what? Then at that point, my, my goal in the game was to collect all of the, uh, um, cosmetics. And that doesn't really feel like a good space. I mean, the game was still obviously very fun for me, but dealing with well, that. The cosmetics was... were just <laughs> complete That's, garbage. Our characters that... were horrible. It was, ugh. I mean, I, I enjoy it, but uh, that's that's in, something in I want to touch on. In the release version, you know, I think we have triple A characters and cosmetics. Um, I mean, Swanton he now works at PUBG, okay, uh, as a senior lighting artist. Nice. Um, and you know, look at those characters and those cosmetics compared to ours. Yeah, I mean, early access was also a, a bit of a downgrade from where they are now. So, <laughs> yeah, early access. was... <laughs> was really bad for us and probably them too. So, um, you said you had played very little Dead by Daylight. Yes. How much do you think the the other two devs have? I think Swanton has a little bit more than me. I mean, he he maybe have by that time maybe put in like 15 hours and Sam probably zero. Mm. Um Chris, our 3D artist who was our freelancer from you know, before the Kickstarter, we hired him as a full-time employee, and you know he's probably got two thousand dollars okay. or more. Um, so we, we went to him for a lot of our des- design decisions. Mm. So I, I put all the blame squarely at his feet. <laughs> <laughs> so that's that's what I wanted to talk about. Um, with the current release of the game, it is it is truly an asymmetrical horror game. It is one killer and three survivors with a relatively small map. Uh, yeah. with objectives to accomplish and then you can leave and escape and win or the killer just kills you a bunch of times and it's fine so there's been I think two games that have that philosophy that have reached quote unquote success Dead by Daylight and Friday the 13th yeah. I've, I've not played Friday the 13th um but I know it is a very popular game, and uh, it's on the list to play. So, beyond things like server costs and dealing with the community in terms of last man standing versus escape, um, w- was there ever a conscious decision to just go like, "Hey, we're going in this direction. We're gonna we're gonna you know double down on the asymmetrical horror instead of the battle royale, or instead of escape." Like where, where do you think that that diverged where it went from the two game modes or even, you know, your own want to focus on escape versus the current release of the game? Well, I can probably tell you the exact date. If you give me a second here. Okay. (laughs) We posted. It's on our website here. Quick. Uh, We posted. Yeah, don't see. I guess we we posted Hide or Die one point one on September fifth, two thousand nineteen. Thought thought we had a post about what we were going to do. 
it, it, it would have been late September, I believe. So not an exact date, but I think it would have been late September. We posted that we were essentially going to try to make a more focused version. Um, you know, we, we believed that the extractors was a good mechanic. We believed collecting darkness was a good mechanic. We thought the coffin responds was a good mechanic. Um, the hiding mechanic, which we, you know, in the Kickstarter trailer and, you know, the, the October and December betas of 2018, you know, we thought were, were really good, except they were just very unforgiving if you got found. Yeah. And we made a really poor decision in the spring of 2019 that, okay, people love the hiding mechanic. It's, you know, the little peeking was awesome. The sounds are good. The animations were good. You know, it wasn't the character, but, you know, like the lids and yeah, whatever's yeah. opening. You know, it, it, was, it was creepy. It was, you could peek. Our peeking mechanic, I, I essentially just took what I saw in Alien Isolation, which Swanton <laughs> really liked, and just, you know, made that peeking mechanic, uh, you know, for us. Hmm. And, you know, we, we made a really stupid decision to, well, let's just crank that up to level 10. If people love hideables, all right, we're going to have enter and exit animations. We're going to have animations for when the hunter finds you in there. Now, he can't just kill you in there because then why would you ever get in the hideable? So we have to have animations for him to pull you out where in the early days you just like it was some really stupid sound effect it's like and then you just would like jump out (laughs) you just pop out and just you know run off so you know we're like all right let's make all these animations well all of our killers are going to need you know bespoke animations because all their sizes are different um what are we going to do about stitches you know some of the things he's not even tall enough (laughs) so he's going to like climb in and pull them out and and all that did was just make bugs and sure. make it clunky and, you know, n- nothing against our animator. He, he's, he's a first person guy. I mean, he does all the first person animations for dead matter. Okay. Um, he'd been working on that before and, you know, we really tried to, you know, push him to become better and work on his third person and, you know, third person's difficult. It's a completely different craft from, from first person. Because you can't you can't do crazy weird stretching off screen <laughs> when you're really reloading a gun and you know all this kind of stuff. So you know I I feel bad for him. It was hard. Uh, the bugs obviously weren't his fault. That was yeah. on me and Sam. But people didn't like it. It was just clunky and it it trying to elevate the hiding experience just ruined it. Um, so we removed all the animations and we just kind of made hiding in actual hideables, kind of a secondary thing in the full release version. Um, but Swanton, you know, he sat down and instead of just trying to make stuff look good, he's like, all right, let me actually try to do some level design here. So there's a lot of areas you shouldn't be able to get into. <laughs> um, but, you know, using the environment to hide and, you know, it's really spending time on the lighting to, to make some dark spots for you to go. Um, and that was kind of how we decided to handle, you know, the hiding mechanic. But, you know, we believe that we had all these kind of, like, good ideas which worked good, you know, in isolation. And we're just like, let's just crunch everything down, get rid of all the extra stuff, and just, you know, focus. Um, 
and, and that's kind of how we ended up, you know, just making that really focused version of the game. Um, I, I think I think one day Sam is just like, hey, guys, um, you know, I made a little sliding mechanic. Isn't this cool? And it was very cool. Yeah. And we just were like, okay, the game's slide or die now. So, <laughs> you know, it's not so much about hiding. It's about sliding and, and some of the chasing, which people really like. Yeah. And, you know, we, we had a core core group of guys um, in our Discord. Um, their Discord channel name, it's private, obviously, but it was called the Cool Boys Club. And, you know, everyone in there helped us test from, I want to say, like, mid-December of 2019 all the way until release. Um, we, we, we got people who hated the game, we got some people that love the game in that group and just play and play and play and play and play. Something we, we didn't do leading up to early access was Q, you know, QA testing. Sure. Because that's expensive and it's very time consuming. And, you know, all those play tests, I, I would go into the play test with the cool boys club and, you know, I'd have to run through. So, cause I need to see stuff happening when it happens. I need them to call it out. So, I mean, my notebook's here somewhere. The whole thing, it's just like bugs, 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 and then just me crossing stuff out, just pages and pages and pages for months with, with those guys. And, um, you know, the, the final release version of Hide or Die is the best version out of all the versions. There's no question. No one can argue it. The quality's better. The polish is better. It's more fun. It's more exciting. Heartbeat is, is you know, it gets pumping faster. The progression's better. Everything's better. I mean, the player retention was better. Obviously not fantastic, but sure. everything was better, except how many people bought the game. Because you only get one chance mm -hmm. as an indie game dev. You, you get one chance, and that's it. You know, unless you're No Man's Sky, and you got Sony behind you, and then you get another chance. I don't want to talk about that. <laughs> but, uh, that's for another time. So yeah. uh, what about the phone mechanic? We have not talked about that at all all yes that that was um something i came up with as, as a way we, we're like okay people need to be able to talk to each other okay do we do proximity chat uh we know how bad that can be in games and you know abused and you know everything that you're doing is almost always just countering the way people play games multiplayer games specifically it's just toxic and abusive and exploitive and yeah so we thought, oh, the phone would be a great mechanic because what we were going to have is you could call individual players. I mean, everything that I'm about to tell you, it was all in the game. It was code. It worked. We just you know, made a decision. But you could call individual players, and then you could have a voice chat with them. You'd save the contact in your phone. You could text. You can have your little group, you know, kind of essentially party up, and then you guys can text. Yeah. You text the whole group. We thought it would be cool, like, oh, everyone's together in the bunker. You're all in one big you know, like WhatsApp group or whatever. Sure. And someone dies, that means they left the group. You know, and we'd have a little admin message <laughs> pop up. And um, it, it's probably one of one of the features I'm most proud of because the, the UI of that was just, it was beautiful. It was crisp. It was legible. It, it was pretty responsive. It, it just was awesome. You know, we had selfie mode in there too in, in the early, early version. Sounds pretty cool. And it it was used 
in the version of LMS that, that we ended up making, even in the beta, in the beta it was probably used more because it was a little bit slower. But because the game was so slow, the phone kind of took up that time where people are like, oh, it's boring, a survivor, there's no action. Mm. Uh, Escape, it was it was decent. It wasn't fantastic um, because, you know, you had a gun and there's AI. You don't spend a lot of time on your phone and the hunters are so fast. Yeah. So you, you wouldn't do that a lot. Um, and then obviously the final version of the game, it, it was slider dies. So <laughs> texting on the phone just, just wasn't... Um, it just it didn't benefit you. It only put you at risk. Yeah. So, you know, we removed the selfie mode because uh, I still don't know why to this day why we had performance issues. It was fine in the old beta, but I, I could never figure it out. Hmm. So I just had to disable it, unfortunately. Um, and then towards the end, it kind of turned into more of a debug tool where. You know, you could do like backslash remove UI, and then it just would take all the UI off, and any any anybody could do that. Okay. Or um, there was another debug command I can't remember, but yeah, it just it just kind of uh, wasn't important anymore, unfortunately, just because the way the way the game went. But it was an awesome mechanic. I, I'm really proud of it. Actually, I, I think the the phone mechanic is is my most favorite uh, game mechanic that I've seen in a very long time. That really set hide or die apart for me from like everything else going on at the time it was such an interesting way to be able to communicate with people without having to like like hey maybe if there's a voice talk with with one person that's okay but uh coming from other games where you basically only have like emotes in game or like a loose like lobby chat to talk to people kind of sucks and the phone like makes it very immersive especially with a flashlight and everything like that it was really cool so, uh, you said you taught yourself Unreal Engine. Yes. Is there a reason you picked Unreal as opposed to maybe Unity or, or something else? Yeah, 2010, I tried to make like a, like a top-down tank shooter in Unity, and it was a disaster. <laughs> um, so, I, uh, I, I did some stuff with UDK for a while um, with you know, like my clan that we played Crisis, sure. you know, with before. And Battlefield Bad Company too. God, that was a good game. It was a good game. Um, you know. Um, and then I, I was in Korea, uh, spring of 2014, and Unreal Engine released, Unreal Engine 4. And I had just switched from teaching English full-time to part-time, 9 a.m. to 2 p.m. each day. Um, and then I would rollerblade back to my very tiny apartment along the Han River after teaching the kids. And uh, I had I had so much time and I was like, what am I gonna do? You know, should I just I don't know, just join a soccer league or <laughs> read something. a book. I, mean, I did that too, but I didn't know what to do. So I thought this is probably a good this is a good time. I'll buy a laptop and I'll just try to teach myself game development again. You know, I I tried so many times but just never put in the effort and you know i was in my mid to late 20s then and i just thought that you know if i put some effort in you know maybe i can make something hmm. so i picked up unreal engine 4 and it had blueprint scripting um something i learned teaching kids english was there's a lot of different ways people learn you know some people it's all about sound and just listening a lot of people, it's very visual. A lot of people must actually do whatever it is. 
So, you know, especially with teaching English, you know, some kids were very good where, you know, they would have like workbook problems and they could do great. Others, it was horrible. They, they couldn't do anything. And maybe those kids were super, super good at acting out, you know, like going to a restaurant in person with other kids mm. and they would learn so well. And then others would want to, it's physical learning. You know, I would go on the chalkboard, I'd draw like a bullseye and I'd put like candy or stickers or whatever. And I had uh, this really big bouncy ball and the chalkboards, you know, they'd been there for years. So if you hit it, it just would like the dust and it'd leave a spot. So I could see like, it was like a target. So, you know, it's a reading class. Reading class sucks. Yeah. So I always pick a book that had like a picture, you know, like a full page picture. You know, this is probably like middle school kids, you know, every three pages or so. You know, all the kids would kind of read their sections. We'd get to the picture page. And then this is where all the kids, they just would get all hyped up because I'd have my big ass bag of candy. And I would ask a question about the picture. And then whoever could answer it first, like, what is Sally doing? You know, it was very open-ended things. Or how many uh, basketballs do you see? And it was just like a storybook, you know? And if they got it right, they came up. And then, you know, they would stand, you know, 15 feet away. They'd have to bounce the ball on the ground once and hit the chalkboard. And then, you know, I'd tally points and, and all that jazz. And some of those kids, that's the only way they learned is because they physically had to do something to remember what they're doing. And let me tell you, those kids got so good at answering those questions in just like <laughs> milliseconds because they wanted their chance to do that physical thing. Sure. Um, taking all that back, you know, learning that, I am a visual learner. So when I came across blueprint scripting, it wasn't just typing text, which is essentially just reading, right? You know, I could connect the wire to here and then plug this into here and pull off of this. And for me, you know, like I, I can close my eyes right now and I, I can picture, you know, the, the, the node graph of the HOD character. <laughs> it's like a map, you know, like uh, Sam and I, we're the two programmers. I mean, we, we hired a guy on, in uh, his name was Nick. It, it was March of 2019. Uh, he did a lot of our UI stuff for mm. us, helped us out, you know, for the early access. And uh, he, he did programming too. He was a very smart kid. He is actually working for a studio in New Hampshire, and they do like mobile games for like the NBA, NHL, and all that. Nice. So um, he's off working at a studio. Sam is at Respawn doing lighting. Uh, like I said, Swanton is at PUBG, senior lighting artist. Uh, and then I work for a studio called Player First Games. It's a new one founded by uh, the guys who worked on League of Legends, God of War, the new Harry Potter game from Avalanche, um, and, and Warner Brothers. Okay. So, you know, we have a studio of about 20, 20 people, and we're working on a game. I can't say anything about it, uh, but it's awesome. <laughs> so you are working so on a, a game? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I'm at a AAA studio, too, um, technical designer. Nick is out doing, you know, Billy's on Dead Matter, which, you know, could blow up. He was our animator. And then Chris went to, to do some more work, uh, but he, he mostly does freelance. Hmm. He, he could get a job. He could probably get a job at PUBG or, or Respawn as, as a 3D artist, but, you know. Doesn't want to come in. He's probably a little dis disillusioned after, <laughs> after, you know, all that. It's, it's hard. It's hard in game, though, you know. But, uh yeah, you know, that's just why I picked up Unreal. I, I made stuff for their marketplace. I got a little bit of money. I, I kind of couldn't believe it. Um, and then just started making like little mobile prototypes and little stuff here and there. And 
but really it's, it's a blueprint scripting because I, I do very little C++ now only when I have to, mm. only when I have to, I'm not great at it, but, uh, blueprint scripting in Unreal Engine, I'm an expert, you know, that's obviously why I'm working doing that. Yeah. Um, cause it's just, it's awesome. I've been using the software for six years. Unity is very powerful. It's definitely better for mobile. I would say, um, the community, you know, there's just so much history there that uh, a lot of people have a lot of uh, resources. Sure. So uh, I wouldn't pick one over the other, but for me, no question. You know, it's it's unreal. So as you can see, clearly, yeah, clearly uh, all of the hide or die devs are busy. Uh, and I think you, everyone's made that clear. You know, you guys are always you know, still on the Discord, the Vec4 Discord. Um, you know, just letting people know that hey, you know, you're you're all working full time jobs, so you can't you can't expect the same level of advancement in hide or die that we could when you guys were full time hide or die, which is still super reasonable. And I'm I'm, I'm glad that you guys are having so much success. Um, a lot of people have been very vocal about a potential second season of hide or die a second calling card and the uh uh i guess a lot of people feel it's an expectation i i I don't know if it would even be feasible but the addition of lms back into the game last man standing with the fact that you guys are busy with your own lives and busy with your own work uh, is there a a feasible chance that that will happen? Is it like a this will happen at some point rather than it's never going to happen any, uh, ever? Or is it like, hey, we're actually working on it on our downtime. It's just going to take a bit. Yeah, so, you know, it, it, it sucks because, you know, when you, you work a full-time job, you know, sometimes there's contracts. You're not really allowed to do anything. Um, and you know, we had full intention to do a second season. Um, but you know, when people don't buy the game, you know, who's to say we're going to put time and money into it again, and then nothing's going to come from it. Yeah. Um, do I still want to, I would love to, you know, because, you know, I love Vec4. I think Hyder Die is a good IP. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've done so much VR work. I would love to do a little VR spinoff, which I think, you know, our environment in our IP, kind of the, Bale County, the, the uh, world that we built, I think it would be good. Uh, I just don't have time to do that right now. We, we just don't. It really sucks. I mean, big time. Um, Something that I noticed um, when the game first launched, uh, sorry, uh, a full release launch, um, a lot of people were hammering or hankering for uh, uh, the ability to spend money. I remember a lot of people had already you know, had access to the game because they got it in early access or even before with the Kickstarter, and they were wanting to spend money. So you introduced the uh, the gold skins for like uh, like stitches and the survivor or whatever. Yeah, and, and it was like five bucks or ten bucks, and people bought it up immediately. Obviously, I don't know how many sold, but uh, it seemed like. At least a lot of people that I was running to at the time uh, had it. Um, would you ever consider doing a second Kickstarter? A second Kickstarter? No, we haven't thought of that. I mean, we've 
we've talked pretty extensively and did do a lot of work to try to at least make the game free to play. Mm. Um, you know, people probably aren't going to want to hear this, but you know, it's probably 90 ish percent of the way there to, to being free to play. I think free to play is a great space. It's just, there's there's a few more things with dedicated servers because we just we just can't do free to play with dedicated servers. I mm-hmm. mean the costs are already ridiculous. You know we're trying to keep the servers up as long as we can. You know hopefully you know we can get a blast from like really cheap for the Halloween sale and you know get the influx of players. Because um, you know once the price hits a certain point, you know you get a couple hours of fun out of it. It's still worth it. Yeah. You know. Um, so, you know, hopefully that goes decently well, just so we can just keep servers going for a while. Um, you know, even with no one in them, it's still expensive, but, you know, we, people are still playing games. So, you know, we we're trying to keep them up as long as we can, <laughs> you sure. know, basically any kind of very tiny sales that we get is just pretty much like barely covering the server costs. So, mm. you know, once that starts to dip below it, if we don't get a big enough surge, you know, from a Halloween sale or something, you know, we just kind of have no choice. But um, I, I think, you know, at like a $5 or something like that for the Halloween sale, you know, I mean, it worked for F13. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, as far as season two, I mean, we, we did a bunch of work on Undertaker too, and it just sucks that we do we do all this work, but it, the hardest part's the last twenty percent anyway. Sure, you know, and, and that's stuff that takes a lot of a lot of effort and time. Um, you know, I don't want to get anybody's hopes up, but <laughs> you know, I I don't believe Vec Four is never going to release something again or something for Hide or Die. Sure. Um, you know, right now we're very focused on the companies that we're at and, you know, everyone's in a position for a much more longer term thing, mm. you know, where we are, but you, you never know what happens. You know, the, the world's a crazy place and you might ideally, get locked down for, you know, four months. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah you know, ideally there will, there would be something coming, especially if we could get to free to play and, you know, at, at least make it easier for, for people to play games, you know, because Hide or Die should live on forever, but that's not always a feasible thing to do. Sure. Um, the the current cosmetic system in the game never really made sense to me uh, because coming from the, the early access, it, it felt like, I, I don't remember exactly how many cosmetics it felt like, you know, with the rotating shop, it gave me an excuse to open the game every day. And it gave me an excuse to play the game, to collect the cosmetics, to make my character look however I wanted. Uh, but right now in the game, everyone collects the same pool of cosmetics. They just collect it at different times with the with the uh, the, the darkness web system. Um, I personally think... Card. What, sorry, what did you say? County card. Yeah, 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 and and the the the, the battle pass stuff. Um, yeah. I personally think that that free to play and then having just cosmetics that let us give you money uh, would be fantastic. I don't. Yeah, I mean, we, we we built a really flexible system for that where 
you know, if if we wanted to make a shirt with your logo on it, it's going to take us 10 minutes and we'll put it up on Playfab backend and it'll just, you know, populate as long as the textures are, you know, in in the game. Sure. Actually, no. Is that an we, offer? We I mean, the texture. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, it's 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 pretty trivial because, you know, we, we built this version of the game with, we thought we would at least be able to do the same amount of sales we did for early access because mm-hmm. everything we read is you're going to get the same promotion as you do during early access, which just wasn't the case, you know, and it, it, it just sucked. Do you and, think that uh, Steam and their their algorithms screwed with that at all? Uh, like new and trending and things like that? Well, I would say, you know, obviously... Obviously, Valve knows what they're doing because they're a multi-billion-dollar business, so it's yeah. working for them. Um, it there's probably too much real garbage on Steam, which kind of clogs stuff up. Um, I, I'm not even that upset about that kind of stuff because I, I think people can see it and, and they know right away whether something's at least decent indie quality or AAA and yeah. everything that's garbage. You know, people just kind of ignore. But the the problem is that you know. Let's say 10 games are going to release, you know, that day. So that's 70 games for the week. And there's a good chance there's only two or three of those that are even worth looking at. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the, the trending list is going to have, you know, 70 games and there's only two or three that are in there. So, you know, if, if your branding isn't perfect to get someone to click on it, they're not going to see it. No one's yeah. going to click on every single one and go down, you know. Um, and then... You know, something that really hurt us, um, every single person's review that bought the game via Kickstarter, their review does not count towards our review score. Only Interesting. Steam purchases do, the one that shows. Yeah. So your your most fervent fan base who probably is going to, you know, three out of four of them at least are going to like the game. The game comes out and, you know, they've been beta testing and all this jazz and they already got 15, 20 hours and they leave a positive review. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because, you know, Steam's algorithm is just looking at what that, that total score is. Yeah. And yeah. the people who play the game for 0.1 hours and they refund instantly because it's trash game, you know, if you get 15, 20 of those reviews straight away, you're instantly in mix. Yeah. And it's over. That's that's so, real fucked up. I didn't I didn't know that about Steam. That yeah, it's that's it's bad. And the only way around that is to make a perfect game. And you know, so, some people have been able to do it. Yeah. And you know, we just we just weren't able to. So I know, um, at least at the beginning, maybe around Kickstarter time, this wasn't a thing. But in the time since then, the Epic Launcher has become a bigger player. Um, yeah. In in this indie space, do you think that if you were to start again uh, at the beginning, that you would go with Epic or would you stay with Steam? Well, I mean, I'm an Unreal Engine shill, so you know, I uh, I, think <laughs> Epic makes, I think Epic makes a very good product, at least their engine. Mm-hmm. Um, I to be honest, I don't play a lot of games anymore. Um, the, the one game that I probably played the most is Rocket League and they're, they're about to go free to play and you need an Epic account. Yeah. And you know, a lot of people whine about that and it's just like, if you don't like it, don't play it. Like, 
you know, who gives a shit? You know, I, I don't care if you buy your game from GameStop or Walmart. Sure. I, I understand there's privacy and, and all that, and I, I'm not dismissing any of that. Sure. But, you know, with this playing field, it, okay, think about it. You have two job offers, and one job says to you, goes, okay, we're going to pay you $0 a year salary, but 50%, well, you know, yeah, like 50% of everything you sell, you know, you're going to get commission. Sure. And you're not going to be able to really get any of your own clients. You know, I'm going to, I'm just going to show it to a lot of people. And if they like it, they'll buy it. Or you can go to the company that goes, we don't do commission sales here. We just pay you a flat $50,000 and, you know, you're just going to be expected to do X, Y, Z. Sure. Most people are going to just take the flat 50k job yeah because it's a guarantee you, you can continue living your life you're not going to have any of this the stress and all the effort that you're going to have to put into it and to me it's exactly the same thing mm. um so i don't fault anybody for you know even if it's exclusive i mean I've always been a PC gamer. I, I never really played consoles except for, you know, Halo, of course, on Xbox sure. and all the early ones back in the day. Um, but nothing's guaranteed. And when someone can guarantee you something, which means you can guarantee a paycheck to your employee who has a guarantee that their spouse is going to have an apartment and their child's going to eat, I just don't see how people can be against that. Yeah. Um, so as far as if we were to do it all over again, I mean, I mean, we did talk to Epic back in the day, but they weren't supporting multiplayer games yet. So, you know, we didn't go any further with the conversation, but, um, I mean, would we entertain it? Of course. Who wouldn't? You'd be a a horrible businessman to not entertain something like that. Mm -hmm. Um, on a similar topic. Do you think that a exclusive escape mode game could exist? Traditional escape mode in your uh, uh, your vision? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that would be a much bigger game than straight LMS. Because um, there's a lot more... Kind of what we learned is when people see a video or a gameplay clip, they imagine their dream game around it if they're fans of whatever the genre is. Yeah. Um, LMS is, is too structured, I think. It has to be too structured. You know, our Kickstarter video, you know, looks great and it's slow and all that, but that's just not how it would actually go in multiplayer. <laughs> so, you know, I, I think Escape would do a lot better because it's a little more open world and, and, and all that jazz, but um, yeah, I think Escape would, would be better. So you had mentioned that uh, you think that Hide or Die is a good IP. Would you yeah. ever entertain a uh, like a partnership with a, a different uh, studio or something like that? Yeah, yeah. I mean, we we you know, if someone wanted you know to to license the IP to put it in another product or something, yeah, yeah, we'd be open to it for sure. Or you know, like a a remake or something. Sure. Not you know, maybe a huge game, but. Yes, something I'm sure. I'm sure we'd consider it. We got to get on. No, I don't think we're like holding it tightly, but you know, yeah, I think yeah. Stitches, I think Stitches is a very good character. I think Bale County as a as a world is, you know, is an interesting place that 
I mean, we had, there's a lot that we wanted to do, which I'm just not going to go into because it would take way too long. But, <laughs> you know, we, we, we had big plans. Um, I think, uh, I think uh, stitches in a game like Hide or Die, where you have access to multiple kind of, kinds of killers. Uh, uh, or sorry, did I, did I say Hide or Die? I meant Dead by Daylight. Sorry. You put, you put uh, yeah. stitches in, in a game like Dead by Daylight, where you have multiple killers from multiple IPs. I think there uh, is is some some amount of crossover to be had, uh, and is in my head a, a awesome thing that could happen. Uh, there's also like uh, for me, I, I I work in a comic book store, so I see a lot of crossover IPs happen all the time. Or right? I see IPs yeah. from you know you know movies or or video games come into comic books or vice versa, um, and I think Bale County. Uh, what drew me to escape mode was exploring Bale County and exploring the, the different uh, uh, setups in the map and the, the different buildings, like the weird cultists that were sacrificing people in a building. Like I wanted to know more about that or about this plane crash or whatever. So I think a, uh, uh, like what you said, just, just taking the Bale County area and putting it in uh, some other license would be, it would be interesting. Yeah, I mean, I, I think there's a story to tell there, but I'd still like to finish that story. So, sure. you know, ho- ho- hopefully one day in a spinoff or, you know, a small VR thing or something. I, I don't know, but there, there's more to tell. I mean, we didn't really start with, all right, let's build a lore and all that. And it just kind of, we just found fun things like, you know, Climb King, which was an achievement and, you know... Sam and I kicked back and forth the whole story about about him and you know what he was actually doing and all that and you know I I think someday we'll get into it I hope so but mm-hmm. I don't really want to give anything away in case we actually do. Well, I'll say that a major part of my stream is world building and I use a a fantastic site called World Anvil. Uh, shameless plug um, for uh, particularly for uh, <clears throat> Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, because I, I I do a lot of D and D stuff, and uh, world building is just a, such a fun space to get into, um, and you don't really know. At least, like you said, when you're starting a project like that, I, I, uh, that you you can get so deep into just like one granular character, like trying to get the climb king achievement and finding all those little notes and things. It's uh it's fun well, to explore. So, unfortunately, the. The laptop's about to go out here, so let me just okay. go my charger quick. Um, sure, sure. We can talk more about uh, world building. How's it going, chat? I appreciate everyone for being here. Um, this is this is an exciting interview, and uh, I think I think of anything, I've gained a lot of hope from this interview. Um, Do I have a space? Is the question. <laughs> I've, uh, yeah, I, I think this interview has given me a lot of hope. I, I think for the past couple of months, um, because I was such a proponent of this, um, uh, of this game, I, uh, seeing the, 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 the degrading marks from various people in the community, I was, uh, very discouraged and, and that sort of the, the community, well, it's not the community. The community of the game is very positive and very good, right? 
the the small outliers of people who are not positive have very big uh, voices and echo very far, at least within me. So that that sort of it, it it didn't turn me off of the game, but it turned me off of listening to to the community basically. And then when when player bases started to dwindle, I just said, okay, well, I'll 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 sort of wait until things happen and. Uh, uh, this this interview has given me a lot of uh, a lot of hope for the future, even if it's a slow hope. You know, it's it's a uh, an eventual so, um, outcome. We uh we tried to we we were going to build these a lot of story around individual characters, and we we were actually making before the early access release individual uh, hunter trailers, basically, but. Not so much a trailer like you would see, like a pre-rendered thing. You know, it's all going to be in-game. Okay. Um, and it, it was essentially all the origin stories in, in you know, a minute and a half for, for each killer. Okay. Um, stitches. I mean, there are some of these video clips, but I don't have them anywhere, you know, right, right now. I don't think we'll release any of them because they were just very... Uh, early stages so sure. i don't want to you know take away from what they were i will give you one early clip from something else but I'll okay that in a second sure so we had we had these um individual trailers for the killers and essentially how they all kn- knew each other is is some of the lore that we're building um I really wish we could have finished those because you know <laughs> I, I think it. The, the problem is we're such we're such a small team. You know, we Swanton's just you know trying to do the after effects mm-hmm. and put together the trailer, but you know, Stitch's particular trailer, um, he was in his prison cell, um, and you know the little little darkness orbs that like when you would kill a killer and they drop them and all that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, the, the trailer started with the shot of um, Stitches just like laying in, in his cell, and then it cut out to just the fisherman walking through the woods, and he takes one of these orbs and he just like chucks it over the fence, and it goes through the window, you know, of Stitches' cell, and it hits the ground and bounces, and Stitches picks it up, and he gets uh, essentially his ability to... Um, you know, his dark site where he would, he went up like over the cell outside and, you know, assassins, the security guard. Uh, it, it was, that was a small portion of that trailer, which I, I wish we would have got some of that stuff out because people maybe could have been a little more invested, mm-hmm. you know, in, in what we were doing. You know, we had all these for some more finished than others for, for all of our hunters. Um, and it's it's unfortunate when you get to really dive into that too much, but you know m- maybe one day. Um, and then then we had a trailer which we called the Momentous trailer. Um, this one it didn't get finished uh, and we didn't release it, but I'm gonna send you a link so you can uh, you can play it. Sure. So only the Cool Boys uh, Club I think has has seen this. Okay. But, okay. Uh, no, no one else. Interesting. Sounds pretty good. I, I, as as a world builder, and uh, you know, I, I play a lot of World of Warcraft. Um, I, I and even some League of Legends. I really like uh, 
world building and lore stuff. So that type of stuff invests me into the game. Um, oh, it's on YouTube. All right. So this this kind of ties into a story that we're that we're trying to tell. Yeah, yeah. Let me uh, get this up quick. Um, maybe. Oh, I see. Okay. All right, we're all going to watch this together. I don't think you have the audio. Do I not? No. Is it like really low? Uh oh. Should be coming through uh, on the stream. Um, there is audio? Okay. Oh, I think I might have had it. Sorry. Start <laughs> over. I okay, okay. We'll start it over. Hey, round two. That's it. So I, uh, I never, I never really put this together um, before seeing that. That that gives me intense Left for Dead vibes, and uh, I think that maybe that's compounded by the the new release. I guess coming coming next month. I think it is of a of a new Left oh, for really? Dead. Oh, really? I didn't know that. I'm yeah, there, there's going to be a new DLC, and they're revamping a lot of the maps for Left 4 Dead 2 um, after like 10 years or something. Uh, I, I think I think that just connected my enjoyment for Escape Mode. The multiplayer PvE aspect that comes with yeah, yeah. Escape Mode is the same sort of sense that I got when I was playing Left 4 Dead with my buddies. It's not serious, but it's fun. There's things to do. There's objectives. There's killer. If you want to be killer, there's things to explore. Uh, I think that's a... 
I think I think that trailer was fantastic, and it gives you a lot a, a lot of uh, um, room to give things more life, as opposed to just being like, hey, there's a killer here, and this is his name, and yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a lot we wanted to do. We we did as much as as we humanly possibly could. I mean, Swanton Sam and I, it was you know eighty hour weeks for two years yeah i i think i think that really shows um in in the small time that this game has existed i i don't think even for someone like me who, who doesn't has never tried to produce a game or anything like that i think it's apparent that uh, a lot of time and effort has gone into this uh even past the point of you know so, some people would have given up and i think uh the fact that uh vec4 and all their devs uh didn't give up gave us such a, a, a good community and a good uh, foundation for things to come in the future. Even if Vec4 decides to, you know, maybe not make anything for Hide or Die, but make make a new IP or finish a manslaughter, a moped manslaughter, or uh, uh, maybe some VR yeah. stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I, if you just, if you look, you know, at some of the gameplay clips from our Discord alpha and to what we ended up releasing, it's clear that we just needed the right amount of time to, mm. to get the game where it needs to be. But, you know, things cost money. And if we ever really had the chance to work on a game for, you know, two years from the very beginning when we know what it's going to be without all the deviations that we had to go through, you know, I mean, obviously, you know, look at all of us with the jobs that we have now. You know, it, it's very sad because, you know, we, we had the talent, but we probably picked the wrong game to make. You know, because the, the genre is very difficult. Multiplayer is very difficult. And, you know, personally for me, asymmetrical games were not a passion at all. Sure. Uh, and, you know, maybe that was a, that was a mistake. Uh, we, we, we tried to dip into the community to, to get some of that and, you know, hire Chris, who was a super fan. Um, you know, I think we did a lot of things right with it. And, I mean, we see this with, with all these asymmetrical games. They, they just have no chance. You know, I mean, how many years was last year worked on and how many millions of dollars was their budget? They still kind of <laughs> do it. And it looks polished. And, you know, obviously they worked hard and they had way more people on it than us. But... It doesn't matter, yeah. you know. It's it's just a tough genre, and you know I, I accept that we accept that, and that's it's just an unfortunate case. But you know, there's there's a lot of lessons learned there. There's a lot of talent, and I mean, I still think there's some future where hide or die or vec four is something can happen. But you know, at, at this moment, you know, we're we're on to other things because we got to eat. Yeah, um, life but, keeps going. Well, I think that's about it for my questions. Um, I think we hit on a lot of really good things. Um, is there anything that you want to say to the community directly, or anything? Um, I didn't. I didn't even think of that. That's a good question. <laughs> um, well, I mean, if, if they have any couple questions, I mean, I, I could answer. Um, Does anyone have any quick questions? And I, I mean, we're you know. The, the devs are always around on the Discord, so and there's there's a there's a Q and A section on the Discord, so yeah. I mean, we'll just you know if there's any you know a couple couple ones I can go through quick in like five minutes. 
If not, you know, whatever. <laughs> uh, you can't kill me again. That's the answer to that question. <laughs> Too fast. Slide in and die in. Slide and die. Oh, my God. I mean, as of right now, you know, we're, we're really not working on hide or die fully because, you know, we have to have to do our jobs. Yeah, yeah. That, that obviously takes precedence. Slide or die, hashtag Crow Gang. <laughs> that gives me more time to get my Crow Gang sweatshirt because I missed it in the in the early access. <laughs> yeah. Um, if it goes LMS, will, will we get LMS with free-to-play? If we do get to free-to-play, the first iteration would not have LMS. Uh, what got me into game dev originally? Everyone wants to make their own game. It's, it's you know... If you're a gamer, you want to make one, yeah. Yeah. Um, it's it's difficult. It's it's way harder than people think. <laughs> I'll tell you that. So be careful. <laughs> yeah. Do do uh do you think that the uh, hide or die has has hit a similar vein that the coffee machine did, in that uh, it just sort of came back again and again and again. And, uh, yeah, um, to, to answer Leo's question real quick. Yeah. I, we, we will post, uh, I'll post with whatever in the game that I'm working on releases, you know, so you guys can play it. Um, the coffee machine and the, and hide or die are very similar. Yes. You, you really hit that nail on the head. Um, the only difference I suppose is that I decided to keep doing game development, mm. um, because, you know, I guess this kind of goes into like what I would say to the community. You know, the the people that that loved us and loved the game, or at least liked it, you know, more than seventy percent. Um, you know, it's really encouraging to see because you know, no one likes bad reviews or to be shit talked or get death threats and stuff, which happens. But you know, we're in a public sphere, so mm -hmm. that's just the way people are, unfortunately. But. Um, not not like doing a good job that's that's universally praised you know it's it's tough it's tough anything you make you know even a child who draws a picture and shows their their friend and their friends just like the hell is that <laughs> i mean maybe kids aren't saying what the hell is that you know, my mom put it on the fridge yeah but um you know especially the kickstarter backers mm. you know the, the vast majority of you just went out on a limb with very little information about us, you know, to support us. And, you know, maybe we didn't do exactly what you were hoping for, but, you know, we, we did everything that we thought had to be done. And, you know, I, I would argue that we made three separate games completely based on feedback and just the way the market is. And, you know, maybe we should have spent more time on, on others than than different ones, but you know, I, I would say one of the driving things the whole time was not to give up. You know, sure. obviously that has to happen at some point, but you know, I I think we put in a valiant effort and we we got a lot of people, a lot of hours of fun, and you, know, you got to remember the game for Kickstarter backers. I mean, the average was like. I think $23 per, per copy it came out to, but, you know, some more than others. But generally, the game was $15, $20 for people, you know, non-Kickstarter backers. And, you know, if you're getting 
10, 15, 20 hours or more out of it. It's pretty good. You know, I, I think that's pretty good. I, I know a lot of people in, in who play games believe they need to put in a thousand hours or it's their only game that they play. But, you know, I believe there's a, a sizable amount of people who years from now, they will remember back to hide or die and a, a good moment that they had or something they really liked about it or another game borrows a mechanic or something. And, and, you know, you'll, you'll think of it and that's, that's good enough for us. You know, we try to make something fun and I think we did for, for a lot of people. And, you know, it was, it was fun. It was fun to do. It's good to see happy people. The the clips and the videos are not going to go anywhere. So, you yeah. know, it's, it's nice. Like I, I have in my PC case that is right next to me, I have a uh, old hard drive that has almost shit the bed that is not plugged in, but it's in the case because I want to keep it safe because it has B-roll that I filmed for Escape Mode and Last Man Standing in the early access that wasn't streamed because at some point I'm going to transfer it onto a different hard drive and do something with it uh, because I don't want to get rid of it. Because there's there's that, that, that portion and that time period, <clears throat> especially playing with friends and playing on stream that I, that I hold in very, very high regard. And, uh, and, you know, is, is up top with the, the old Halo 3-day type uh, moments. So, and I, I appreciate Vecfor for uh, giving us the community that we have. Um, I think, you know, I've, I've met dozens of people on the Vecfor previously hide or die Discord and in-game that have come to my stream and played games with us and have made, like, uh, long-lasting friendships out of it. And uh, no matter what negative things you have to say about the game, I think you you can't really take that away from people. And without any iterations of the game, we wouldn't have had that. Yeah, I mean, that's there's I mean, there's a lot of people that that play the game in the community that you know I still talk to. Um, Chris, our three D artist, you know, he's a good friend of mine, and you know, I, I know in the future if I if I ever need 3d art or something that he will be first one to you know volunteer and there's just there's a lot of good people you know um i've seen luke gamer zero one grow from a from a young boy to a young man <laughs> he's, uh, as he was in the cool boys club maybe it would be the, the cool men club here pretty soon <laughs> uh, yeah i mean it's it's been great there's a there's a lot of uh good people and you know we, we did what we could yeah, yeah, I think I think that's all that anyone can really ask for. Um, well, I think uh, I think that's a good place to end it. Um, I would love to have you on again to talk about hide or die, uh, unrelated things, uh, unrelated to hide or die or Vec Four, because I think uh, your your travels to who is it South Korea and Singapore yep. uh, are are very interesting to me, uh, especially with uh, with teaching and things like that. But that goes into non die related things so we'll do that some maybe some other time um okay i appreciate everyone for stopping by i will have this up on uh youtube tomorrow and spotify and other podcasting places uh which i will link in the uh vec4 discord uh given permit if if i'm given permission to do that uh, yeah yeah you're fine for uh, uh people to listen to again in audio format or if they missed portions of it they can check that out there uh, sometime this week. Uh, I'll post about it. 
I hope everyone I see, has. Yeah, I, I, I see one question there is a yeah, why yeah, we called it VEC4. Um, Swanton and I were in Singapore um, just on a coffee break, and uh, we're trying to come up with a name. Uh, VEC is short for vector, you know, which is used, you know, vector math is used in game development all the time. Um, and the four uh, comes from Sam, Swanton, myself, and then freelancers is the fourth, the fourth uh, person in that group, I guess you could say. Mm-hmm. Um, and the domain vec4.com was available. And as soon as we saw that, we just knew we, we had to get, I mean, we ended up going to the vec4.digital. Sure. Um, because our, our original plans were actually to do stuff beyond games, you know, with uh, real estate uh, and, uh, you know, even even marketing things because we have, a, you know, a wide skill set and, and the big, you know, wide experience of, of different different stuff. So, sure. yeah, that's where Vec4 Digital came from. And it uh, the, the fourth is just all the freelancers who we could hire, you know, full time. <laughs> That's a good story. I like that. And I like the idea of um, indie studios or, or even, uh, you know, game studios specifically moving to other fields that they may have other, you know, experiences in because you can you can do some crossover stuff. That's that's pretty cool. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. All right. I hope everyone had a good night. I will uh, not be doing a, a regular stream after this. Um, so I will see everyone tomorrow at 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Tomorrow we're going to be playing some uh, Dead by Daylight because we're always playing that. I, I, I always say that I'm going to finish other games and then I'm like, eh, I'll just play Dead by Daylight. That's fine. <laughs> All right, everyone. Have a good night. Bye.